Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On today's episode... Carla is joining me to take you on a trip around the world and back, and you won't have to move. You're just going to sit there and listen to us. Today, we are talking about my all-time favorite band, Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode is definitely my heart and my soul and everything. I got through a lot of my late teens, early 20s because of Depeche Mode. I do want to say trigger warnings up front because we will probably be mentioning drug addiction, uh, probably depression, possibly suicide or suicidal ideation. So I just want to give that warning up front because a lot of their songs, even if we're not even talking about Dave's uh, drug addiction, a lot of their songs have to do <laughs> all of that stuff I just mentioned. And of course, heavy, 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 heavy sexual innuendo. but whatever on that part. <laughs> you don't need a trigger warning for that. That's what the E is for. Not on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's what the E is for. But Depeche Mode was originally formed by the lineup of Dave Gone or Gahan. Gone is the English way to pronounce it. It is um, the UK way, but then a lot of Americans have said Gahan, and you will hear it still as Gahan a lot I say both, so you know. If you um, want to say I for the longest time I said Gahan, so <laughs> I feel like either one of those is I a like step that up. One. <laughs> <laughs> that is like the the most stereotypically American way to say it. It's Dave Gahan. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Especially when you add that little bit of a southern draw there too. Right. It. <laughs> I went to see Depeche Mode and that Dave Gahan, man, he can dance. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. But so they were originally formed by the lineup of Dave Gone, Martin Gore, Andy Fletcher, and Vince Clark. Vince Clark left the band, of course, and formed his own band that Carla and I also love, Yaz. And it's really funny because when Vince Clark left Depeche Mode, he said part of the reason he was leaving, and this to me is total BS, was because he could not handle... <laughs> the fame and attention he was getting in Depeche Mode. They had just started. They weren't really even known over here in the States. But I think it's a lie because he started his band like right after. So I think it was just he didn't want to <laughs> be in the band. 
but Vince Clark fine like just say that my god <laughs> I know you don't have to be I dramatic know. I know I know um they released their debut album Speak and Spell in 1981 bringing the band into the British new wave scene after founding member Clark left following the release of the album they recorded a broken frame as a trio and then Gore took over as main songwriter because originally it was Vince Clark and later in 1982 Alan Wilder who really honestly if you want to know who is responsible for Depeche Mode's sound, it's Alan Wilder. And that's why a lot of people don't like a lot of Depeche Mode's sound after Songs of Faith and Devotion, because Alan Wilder famously left the group in 1993 when they were, when they were recording Songs of Faith and Devotion. That was a horrible, horrible time for them as a band. So, I mean, you had Dave Gunn's drug addiction. They were strife. They weren't getting along. I think Alan Wilder, um, you know, and I can't say for sure, but I think Alan Wilder always felt like he never got the credit he deserved for how much he gave to that to the band and their sound. So Alan Wilder replaced Clark, establishing a lineup that continued for 13 years. The band's last albums of the 80s, Black Celebration and Music for the Masses, established them as a dominant force within the electronic music scene. A highlight of this era was the band's June 1988 concert at the Pasadena Rose Bowl. And of course, you can famously watch the documentary Depeche Mode 101, which follows that also follows a group of people that got picked to follow them on tour and being a bus. So it's not just about the music, but it's a lot about the music. And if you get the newest release one, once the once the the actual documentary is over, you sit through the credits, you get actually the concert. So <laughs> I don't know if people know that, but it's because that's why it says it's three hours long because you get an actual concert right afterwards. And the crowd that they drew there was oh, was in excess of 60,000 people. In early 1990, they released their most successful album ever, which is Violator. That was also the only album that ever produced really big top 10 hits for them here in the U.S. too, just to let you know it's amazing in all honesty how successful this band is when you look at the fact that as far as like top of charts they very rarely did that and the only one that really 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 the big their biggest successful songs enjoy the silence that's their biggest success ever and then the following album was songs of faith and devotion uh which was also was also a success though the band's internal struggles during recording and touring resulted in wilder's departure in 1995. but they have continued with the trio lineup of Gone, Gore, and Fletcher until sadly Fletch died this year, which was very, very heartbreaking. I mean, Fletch was known as being sort of the guy that stood there and clapped on stage and didn't do much. And I can attest that it was true. <laughs> I never get to see them live, but when I see footage, I'm like, Fletch, what are you doing? He doesn't just stand there. It's like <laughs> He's the business guy. He really is the yes. business guy. He's why they were so successful financially. But yeah, he didn't. I mean, he even said himself, what am I doing in a band? I, I, I don't even, <laughs> he even looks like he could have been an accountant in another life. He does. He does. <laughs> he does. Yes. Yes. So um, and Depeche Mode have had 54 songs in the UK singles chart and 17 top 10 albums in the UK chart. They have sold more than 100 million records worldwide. Um, Q included the band in its list of the 50 bands that changed the world. Depeche Mode also ranked number 98 on VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of All Time. 
They were nominated for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017 and 2018 and were inducted as part of the class of 2020. As in this interview I recently was listening to with Dave Gone, he said, I don't think they ever really wanted us in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they don't consider us rock and roll, but we yeah. won. <laughs> Yes. But before we dive into everything Depeche Mode and Aaron tries not to cry during this episode, Carla can laugh at me if I do, but I will try not to. <laughs> I want to know, what are you into right now in pop culture, Carla? First, I want to acknowledge the fact that I think it's hilarious that your first thing is I'm going to cry and Carla's going to laugh at me crying. Well, I didn't mean it like... <laughs> no, 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 no. I just think it's funny that, that, that you're like, oh, well, here we go. <laughs> because honestly, I might. That's just... <laughs> and I don't mean that that Carla doesn't care. I just mean that how silly it is that I might be laughing. <laughs> no, because I, I might cry to like keep from... I, I might laugh to keep from crying. Aww. So I'd be like... <laughs> My tears on the inside. But... As far as what I'm into in pop culture this week, it's not so much into as it is. It's there, and therefore I'm doing it. I'm um, reading the biography of B.C. Andrews called The Woman Behind the Attic. Something like that. The Woman in from the, whatever. Whatever it's called. I don't even remember. Like, it's in my car. <laughs> Again, yeah. I've been trying to read it. Because, I mean, I grew up reading B.C. Andrews books. And um I know it's not a thing that you're supposed to acknowledge in public, but whatever, you know, like it, it happened. <laughs> it was a phase of my life. Okay. I was a teenager and I didn't know any better, but yeah, I, I'm curious as to where she got these wild stories from and, you know, what her life was like. And so I'm, I'm trying to read this book. Um, life has gotten in the way and also it's kind of slow. So <laughs> <laughs> also it's kind of slow. <laughs> yeah. But Erin, what are you into in pop culture this week, aside from listening to Depeche Mode on nonstop repeat? I mean, that's pretty much all I've been doing. <laughs> um, honestly, that's pretty much all I've been listening to. And it probably will be for the rest of the month. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that'll change. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I was, I'm really kind of disappointed, I have to say, because I was expecting Carla to say that she was into Barbarian. As a way for mentioning that movie again. Oh my god, you're absolutely right. And you know what? I think that it's just like so much has gone on in the last few days that yeah. that last week feels like two months ago. But yes, Barbarian was amazing. Like everybody has been talking about how great it is. And I was like, how great can it be? It's a, it's a horror movie, which I always am disappointed in myself afterwards that like I even thought that. Because horror movies can be so amazing. And this one is. Yes, yes. So go watch that on HBO Max and watch our live stream. Someday I will turn that into a podcast episode. It's just, uh, it just has not been a, October was my busiest month. So it's just not going to happen anytime soon, probably. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> Maybe for 2032. 2032. Yeah, but you can go watch that over on YouTube so you can see it, you know, uncut. <laughs> unfiltered as we when we lost uh Susie a couple of times during the recording <laughs> and her voice turned demonic um, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that's terrifying uh, yes, yes so it's hard because I'm really 
all I've done is podcast prep lately, and I'm really excited, I will say, on the barbarian front. It's so exciting to have so many people DM me and message me saying, you know, how much they love the movie and people posting about it. So having new people discover what a great, fantastic movie it is, is a beautiful, wonderful thing to me because it is so good and horror always deserves more respect. And this is a fantastic year for horror. It just is. So I'm excited about that. That's what I'm excited about. But what I'm really, truly, truly excited about is Depeche Mode. <laughs> That's my life right now. I feel like I've gone back in time when it, when this was my life. Um, <laughs> so I want to know, Carla, though, when did you first discover Depeche Mode? Or was there a particular album that turned you into a fan? It was a song. And the thing is, you know, Depeche Mode has been around forever. Well, not forever, but you know what I mean. For the majority of my life. and their songs were you know there but i it wasn't really my thing i mean it was more into george michael and more you know pop kind of music and um depeche mode is so different from most of what i listened to that i just really was like yeah whatever but one summer i was back home in mexico um and i i was obsessed with it's summer i'm in mexico i'm seeing my friends and my family but i'm so glued to the radio um and the tape deck to like you know record the songs that i think are like amazing and um people are people happen to be playing and i mean by this point the song was almost 10 years old but it's the first time that i really sat down and listened to the lyrics oh it also helped that by now i actually could understand english like that was a big part of it because one of the things with the Pesh Mode is that the lyrics are so layered that, you know, it, it may take a couple of listens before something really grabs you. And, and with this, it did, it was like, you know, that yeah, dude, who's singing. Yeah. Why, 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 why can't people get along? You know, the people are people. What the hell? And so, like that, that you know, baby outrage about injustice and um, you know bigotry really made me latch onto that. And then from there, um, it was a few more years before I really started listening more to them. But yeah, once I did, I was like, "Oh my god, this band is amazing! I can't believe I didn't, you know, dive into it sooner." Yeah. Well. My relationship with Depeche Mode. My relationship with Depeche Mode. <laughs> yes, tell us about your, your relationship with Depeche Mode. So I will be honest, you know, there was a time in my life where I did not like Depeche Mode. And a lot of it was because people... <laughs> Carla's shocked face. This was I am school. shocked. What? At what point, Aaron, were people not people to you? <laughs> because why should it be (laughs) you know what i think you and i are gonna get along awfully and you know i think it was because it was this thing where you know violator came out and violator was huge and i was like oh gosh everybody's into this uh whatever and that was kind of the way i felt through through a lot of high school (laughs) (laughs) hipster about it you're like, oh, they're so popular. Gross. 
<laughs> when in reality, you know, they really, you know, they really are like tailor made for me. If you were to design a band in a blender with the right music, the right look, uh, the right appearance on stage too, we'll get to that later because seeing them in concert is just an incredible thing. <laughs> I can't, it's hard to really describe it completely, but it's amazing. And so it's like you blend that in and the angst and all of that, you know, just longing in the lyrics too. There's so much longing and so much lust and so much like darkness and oddity. And they're just odd. They're weird people. And so in all honesty, this is like a band tailor made for me. Yet I was pushing against that. I was like, no. <laughs> and then I fell in love and <laughs> in high school. And the first person I fell in love with, and he was obsessed with Depeche Mode, like obsessed. And I was like, oh gosh, okay, okay, okay. And then I became obsessed with Depeche Mode. So it pretty much was the end of high school, right after high school. I mean, I would listen to them practically nonstop. There were other bands I would listen to to sprinkle in. Like I was still a Violent Femmes fan and uh, New Order, of course. New Order was huge for me back then too. But this one, this band, just once I started really listening to them and their earlier music and especially like Black Celebration and music for the masses, I was like, holy crap, this band is amazing. This is speaking my soul. It's my soul. It's my heart. How did one band know that this was me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. That was really the way I That thought. is so cute. And, you know, mine is less cool, but that's, that was me with Bon Jovi in, like, the 90s. <laughs> it was like, it's like John gets me, you know? <laughs> yes, that's the way I felt. I was like... I would sing these songs at the top of my lungs. And if I was really, really depressed, it was like, this was what would save me. I know it sounds weird to listen to really dark and depressing music when you're depressed, but for me, it actually helps. And their music did, I think, save my life in a lot of respects. And, you know, it was just like, it became everything for me. And I mean that in a very healthy way. I just mean like, it was like, you know, if I wasn't listening to them, I was watching 101. I had it on VHS and, you know, back in VHS days. <laughs> so if I wasn't listening to them, I was watching on VHS or I was, you know, I would sprinkle in New Order. Like I said, I'd sprinkle in Nine Inch Nails, sprinkle in Violent Femmes, all the other angsty, angsty stuff. But, you know, it just it was them. And it was Dave's voice combined with Martin's lyrics, combined with Alan's incredible, amazing ability. I don't think they get enough respect for what they, for what their music is, for the amount of skill that takes and for the depth there and for how every song is like a journey pretty much. Um, especially once you start with Black Celebration and then moving forward, I think every song becomes like this really big, huge journey that you take. And, and a lot of the albums are a journey. You know, if you listen to Violator, which we'll talk about separately, that's a journey. That whole album is a journey. One song into the other, into the other, into the other. And, you know, and yes, also Martin singing too. Martin Gore sings as well. And so his 
voice on some of the slower, more ballady type songs usually is what he sings on is also beautiful. So it's like really people, a band that just spoke to a part of myself that not everybody I think got or knew. And it was really like that thing of they're odd. I'm really odd and weird. So I can fit in here because they're odd and I'm just like them, (laughs) that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I was listening to an interview with Dave recently, and this was a very, very recent interview. And he said that he's like, we were just really odd. We were odd people. We didn't fit in, you know, and everybody who liked us was odd. It was just like a odd group of people. And, you know, he said, even Violator, which was our most successful thing was odd. And so that's why I just loved them and will always, always love them. They will always be my heart and my soul forever. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so how we're going to do this is we're going to divide this into three sections. We are going to speak about Violator separately, only because I think it's very important to single that album out since it was their most successful and had such a lasting impact, I think, on music overall anyway. So I want to talk about their early career, which is, of course, the early 80s, which includes, let me go over their 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 discography. Of course, started in 1981 with Speak and Spell then A Broken Frame, Construction Time Again, Some Great Reward, Black Celebration, Music for the Masses, and then 101, which was a concert album. Uh, This time period included songs such as People Are People, Just Can't Get Enough, which was like a dance club hit. I will, spoilers, that song annoys the crap out of me. (laughs) Now, because it's so like, oh my gosh, I can get enough. And then also in that same interview, um, Carla, I just want to, not to break your heart or anything, but uh, Dave was saying, uh, you know, if you tell, if you mention people are people to Martin, he's like, oh gosh, this (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I saw the interview. I was like, okay then. (laughs) I know. It's like, when you're rushing, I'm like, oh, poor Carla, her heart broken. Um, (laughs) We'll get into why I'm not, why I'm okay with that. Well, I understand. I think with a lot of bands, it's like that. They're like, not this song again. Yeah, um, I mean, can you imagine somebody asking you to, like, sing the same thing for 40-something years? I know, I know. And, of course, Black Celebration, the song Black Celebration, Blasphemous Rumors, um, Never Let Me Down Again, Pleasure Little Treasure, Everything Counts, and many, 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 many more. So I want to know, Carla, what are your overall thoughts on this time period? I think that it's so interesting. Like one of the my, one of my favorite things about Depeche Mode is that they are in constant state of reinvention. They're not um, like they don't they don't really stagnate. Uh, there was the you sent me a list about how somebody ranked all of their albums, and they mentioned one where they're like you know they're kind of wallowing in in the mud, and I'm like I don't know if they ever really did that. I feel like they always took a risk 
And sometimes the risk, the risk paid off and sometimes it didn't. But I don't think that, that with Depeche Mode, there is ever an album or a set of songs where you can really easily predict what they're going to do. And that starts from way at the very beginning of their, them being in existence. Even though with, with Clark, he was only in for the one album, you know, you, you start off somewhere and then when, um, when Alan comes and takes over, it's a departure, but it's a departure from a very small spot. So it's like, you know, it's, um, it, it works and it doesn't feel disruptive to us. I mean, like they're the band, so it probably was very disruptive to them. But when you go from, uh, um, the first album to then, the series of albums that comes after that there's definitely a change of the sound but the spirit of the band is always consistent and you know like they're they're cute little baby lads in the beginning <laughs> and it's it's a lot more poppy and a lot more at least comparatively to when alan yeah. left it, it's it's lighter and it's brighter and it's i don't know like i don't want to say joyful but a little bit so it's it feels more like it's more of a mainstream era i know that they were never really a mainstream band but it's as mainstream as they've ever gotten mm -hmm. is in their very very beginning um except i would say for maybe spirit which comes in in the 2000s i think yeah but 2017 okay yeah and that, that's like the only other one that i can think that at least in sound not so much in lyrics but at least in in, in the sound is more superficially upbeat but it, it's a it's a really interesting time for them because i i think that alan wilder like you said does not get enough credit for everything that he brought to the band um i think that uh when i was watching 101 and he's talking about how he programmed the synthesizers and the keyboards. He's so organized. He seems like really methodical in the way that he constructs the sound. And that really comes through because their, their music has always been an organized chaos. And I think that that kind of stayed even after he left, but I really feel like he laid that groundwork. So it's a, it's a really, fruitful time for them and it's also for us in at our age um there's a lot of nostalgia also tied to that era and to that sound and there are there are places where you can feel why they have and we'll talk about this later the, the influence that they have on on later musical genres and groups but you can you can start to feel the roots of that from that point and for me there's a lot of that of that early music that is comparable to freestyle music there, there there are a lot of songs that feel that have like a freestyle music kind of a feel to them and i really i i, I don't know i don't particularly like freestyle music but i like things that are like freestyle music <laughs> <laughs> so you know make that what you will but <laughs> but yeah, and, and I really, I, I, I need a thesaurus because I say really so much. I very much enjoy, <laughs> enjoyed a lot of their, their albums. I, I can't really think of 
any album from the the 80s of theirs in the early 90s that I don't think is is wonderful like I yeah no I I think they were pretty much all solid even that the very um the very first no the, the second one the, the first one where Alan Wilder came on even that one I I think was was pretty solid it's just you know it's it's a time of transition so it's mm-hmm it maybe feels a little bit like okay they're just like you're watching the cake bake and it's not quite baked but it's not all just ingredients in if that makes any sense musically okay good i'm glad it makes sense to somebody but i like that i i like especially when you've seen a a long discography and you go back to a point where things are coalescing i enjoy that it's, you know, I kind of feel like I'm being part of the process. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like a lot. A lot of what you said was was, was amazing. Really, um, really. There's the word really again. Uh, <laughs> I understand. I use the same words over and over again too, and it drives me nuts when I'm going back and editing. I'm like, Aaron, pick a new word. <laughs> oh, good, awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. That's amazing. Yes, some of those uh, editing makes you realize what words you say more <laughs> than you should, and then you also are like, "Oh my gosh, if this if I say um one more time, so like <laughs> one more time, or yeah." Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's another one too. <laughs> but I do like that where it's like all the ingredients are coming together and they're still baking kind of thing. And the thing about Depeche Mode is. They were never setting out to become famous. And I think that's a key to their success, honestly. Because, I mean... That integrity is hard to come by. I I, I don't think that Mm -hmm. you get a lot of long-lasting acts that have that integrity and that keep it. Because I feel like even to this day, they still have a lot of integrity. Oh, yeah. I think totally. I mean, you know just watching their reaction to when they became when the alt-right said they were their band of choice it's like you know you obviously have never listened to a Depeche Mode song in your life if you really think this and the fact that they immediately were like no and called that out and of course Dave called that one asshole who I will not name on here a cunt so I mean it's so the fact that they immediately did that and responded and of course the album they released after that spirit is very much in response to that and you know they they are a band that they aren't going to be quiet about stuff and they aren't going to care if they piss people off and I mean that in a good way and they're also aren't going to care if they sell like a million records because you know, they had a really hard time getting on the on the radio. People did not want to play them because they're like, we can't play this music. No one's going to listen to this music. And but it didn't make them stop. Yes, they evolved. They changed. They grew. But not because they felt like they had to to compete with other bands or to make it to the Billboard Top 100 kind of thing. That wasn't in their thinking. Their thinking was we're weird, we're odd, we like what we're doing, we're inventing, they were inventing sounds. Like, I was listening to a podcast interview with Dave that's really, I should have, I can't believe I didn't share it with you, but it's a really good interview because he's he's so funny. And 
so laid back and um, very personable. And he was talking about it. He's like, yeah, we, we'd like bang pots around and be like, oh, that's a cool sound. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is that I shouldn't get in my son's case when he goes and slams things around? Yes, because he could be inventing new he could sounds. could be. Yeah. <laughs> new music. Um, he could be a musical genius. You don't know. Oh, my God. I've been stifling him. <laughs> he does listen to Depeche Mode. so he's That is true. Right. That is true. Oh, I was telling him that when I started getting ready to watch 101, I said, I want you to watch this with me. It's about Depeche Mode. It's about this band called Depeche Mode. And then I was like, yeah, of course he knows. And then he looks at me and says, mommy, he's nine years old. He, he gave me like this, this look like, mommy, I know who Depeche Mode is. <laughs> I was like, I my apologies, that. sir. My ap- <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Uh- <laughs> But they they are, you know, ever evolving and ever growing. And of course, and I think it's because their lives are changing too. And you can see that as well. And they're growing up and they, you know, they start out, like you said, a lot more poppy than they became, even though they didn't have that, that pop success. I mean, they were very successful in other countries, but they didn't have that pop success, but they were very poppy sounding. And then you get a lot of stuff like, especially with Black Celebration, I think that's really where things turn. Because a lot of the songs on that album are flipping dark as hell. If you're listening to the lyrics and the way they're sung and the music, everything like that, it gets very, very dark and it keeps getting darker. And I think that also follows some of their personal trajectory as well. But you know, that's what's interesting to me about it is that they keep pushing that. And instead of getting, usually I think with a band like this, you'd start out very dark and then get poppier. And while I think some of their later work might have a more appeal musically, their lyrics, like you said, are still the same kind of in the same kind of realm and they're still really odd. So I love that, that even though they grow and change, they're growing and changing because that's where they are in life and not because they're being told to. So I will always appreciate that. So now the hard question, and this was really hard for me. So um, I'm sure it was hard for you too. So what are three of your favorite songs, or you can name just one album, but uh, from this time period, I'm giving you a look. You're going to say, just can't get enough. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I enjoy the song, unlike you. <laughs> I enjoy it, but uh, it's, it's, no, you've gotten it. enough. You've gotten, gotten enough. enough. Yes. <laughs> um, but it, it's really, really freaking hard. Like they, they have just so much. Of, like I, I still haven't decided. I'm still scrolling through and being like, oh, what I, it's like picking a baby. You know, like oh, I love all of them. Hang on. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna let Spotify pick for me. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm gonna do, okay? Spotify because this is just so difficult (laughs) that I decided I'm opting out. I am opting out. I am letting somebody else make the hard decisions in my life. I know it's like I feel bad do picking. (laughs) I know this is exactly how I feel. I feel like you are 
just doing mean things to me. This is like when, when, when never mind. Cause I, I was going to bring up my kid again. I'm like, I, I, I am that mom, but I'm not going to be that right now. How about we do yours first? Okay. So Carla can't make up her mind. So I cannot. <laughs> so I'm going first. Okay. This was very hard for me too. I changed this like a numerous times and I have honorable mentions. I didn't tell Carla she could do that because I added that. <laughs> myself, I feel betrayed. <laughs> Betrayed. <laughs> oh my god. Great. Now my list just got longer. This is a problem. <laughs> so uh the song Stripped is probably at right now at this moment <laughs> my favorite from this time period. I love, love, love that song. Um, it's so raw and oh man, singing that song is oh, it's so much fun and listening to it. Seeing it performed live is also amazing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm getting the dirtiest look. And then to have and to hold. Whew, I posted on Twitter that listening to that song is like, oh, gosh. I, you know, I went on Spotify and I searched sexiest Depeche Mode songs because a lot of Depeche Mode songs are so flipping sexy. Yes. It, the music, it's also the voice. Dave's voice is like, vel it's like chocolate, velvet, chocolate, like you want to eat it, kind of. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that was the weirdest way to describe it. But it's like, it's sumptuous, it's sensual, it's just like, it's erotic. It's like, it's like listening to somebody making love to music it I, that makes any sense it makes perfect sense <laughs> yeah it's like like his voice oh, is, his God. voice caresses the lyrics yes it does you know it, it's there are times when he outright like bangs them yes it, it's it's very it, true. It's, it's 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 a it's, an, it's a superpower like there are not a ton of artists out there there are plenty of people with technically better voices there are plenty of people uh, who have more objectively classical I don't know perfection mm -hmm. but he has a unique way of interacting with the lyrics that that makes them come alive it, it, it's, it's, it's here's how it is it's like Jensen act and Jensen ankles Jensen ankles <laughs> and acting the way yes. that Jensen Ackles can bring a character to life or make a scene more than it is on paper is the same thing with with Dave Gone. <laughs> Dave Gone just really elevates a song by playing with it. Like his voice plays with it. Sometimes in a sensual way, sometimes in a more contemplative way, but it's there's always okay. I'll let you do your thing because like now I'm like <laughs> it's no. I could talk about him performing for when we get to the concert part. It's like you are watching that live on stage and directed directly at you. So it is the yes. most amazing experience watching well, them live. You know, because, having never been to oh. to a concert. One thing that I appreciate about him is that when he is, uh, you know, asking the audience to sing along, it's it feels like a sincere request. I, I think a lot of times when when you see an artist perform live, they just want to hear 
things echoed back or i mean some artists have admitted it's like i forgot the lyrics and that's the easiest way to kind of get away from that it's like i'm using it <laughs> um but with him it's like he wants to he enjoys watching you enjoy yourself and it, it really feels like like he does it because he wants to connect with the audience he he wants to feel what you're feeling he wants to see that joy in your eyes when you're singing those songs Mm-hmm. and th- that's it's like it must be like such a magical thing to to witness because it, it's it, it's so devoid of ego yeah. and this is a massive star yeah and that's really you described it per- perfectly when you i'm jumping ahead really here but i'll talk about it again but when you do see them in concert that was the thing that impressed me the most because there are some bands that aren't actually very good in concert there are some bands that aren't mm-hmm. born but that aren't born to be up there but dave especially was born to be on the stage he was just born to be up there it's like amazing it's he's one of those that he knows how to work the stage he knows how to interact with the audience and he is dripping sweat by the end of the night he's yes. just like because he never <laughs> stops moving except for when he leaves the because he leaves the stage when martin sings to give the spotlight to martin so he always leaves, which I appreciate too, because I think sometimes people forget that Martin sings some songs too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but he just has this way. He really, you feel like, oh, I'll, I'll save it because I'll, I'll lust about that. <laughs> lust about <laughs> it. <laughs> but anyway, to me, to have and to hold um, pretty much of all the songs that are during that period, right now is the song to me that is the most sensual of the ones that he sings and so that's why i chose it there and then i love the song pleasure little treasure i just think it's a fun one um it's a fun one to dance to it's a fun one to sing along to so that was hard because i switched it around a lot because i don't necessarily think that pleasure little treasure is even the best written one i just love it a lot um so i <laughs> but i want but i wanted to put it in the top three and then my honorable mentions i'll just say really quickly are never let me down blasphemous rumors which i love 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 everything counts which i think is just a really 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 well written song and then giving a shout out to one that martin sings somebody i oh my gosh as a older teen and young 20s that was like oh yes i do want somebody to love me for who i am kind of thing <laughs> i was like yes i do want this i agree martin this is what i want to <laughs> that was me <laughs> i'd be closing my eyes singing it like i feel this so deeply <laughs> so carla have you have you finally done it all right so um seeing as how most of the songs that i've selected are from music for the masses i'm gonna go with music for the masses as just like my favorite album from from this era but i mean yes i i will agree with with stripped of course because that's just it's a classic for a reason but from from this i love strange love mm-hmm. and i I don't know. I I think with Strange Love, I think that that's um, the song that most heavily reminds me of of freestyle, but in like the best way. (laughs) 
I, I just I really enjoy everything about it. I love the musicality. I love the the way that it's sung. Um, I love that you can kind of dance to it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very danceable song. Um, I love Little Fifteen. Me too. I think that that's a that's a great one. I I, I listen to that on repeat for the longest time. Like Behind the Wheel. Mm-hmm. It's. I will say I'm not a huge fan of any iteration of Route 66. <gasps> so there's that. That's a blasphemous just... rumor. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blasphemous fact. In their next album, blasphemous fact. <laughs> Here you go, guys. I just gave you a title. So after much thought and deliberation, I have finally come to the conclusion that my album that I'm going with is Music for the Masses. Yes. And that, that would be my choice right now. <laughs> of that time it would be between that and black celebration but it would definitely probably be more music for the masses and i will tell you something that will make you happy about the route 66 thing in that podcast (laughs) interview that i was listening to dave was talking about that and he said yeah we did that as like this b-side because you did b-sides back then you know of the albums and that was when the radio wanted to play and he's like in all honesty i kind of was like did we do that (laughs) kind of like that i think he was kind of it was kind of like that he's like that was so weird to me he's like i didn't (laughs) so i think he's on your side there (laughs) good i'm i'm glad it it almost it almost makes up for me not being such a fan of somebody like i'm sorry but i'm just like "Mm." not a fan of the song you mean the song yeah 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 oh not a person (laughs) I don't like one of the members, and I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So we're going to move on to Violator. And as it's said in Wikipedia, Violator and worldwide fame. (laughs) Yes. So in mid-1989, the band... Began recording in Milan with producer Flood and engineer Francois Kavorkian. The initial result of the session was the single Personal Jesus. Prior to its release, a marketing campaign was launched with advertisements placed in the personals columns of UK regional newspapers with the words, Your Own Personal Jesus. And then later, the ads included a phone number one could dial to hear the song. And that resulted in propelling the single to number 13 on the UK charts, becoming one of their biggest sellers to date. In the United States, it was their first gold single and their first top 40 hit since People Are People, eventually becoming the biggest selling 12-inch single in Warner Records history 
up to that point. Released in January 1990, Enjoy the Silence reached number six in the UK, the first top 10 hit in that country since Master and Servant. A few months later, it reached number eight in the US and earned the band a second gold record and it won Best British Single at the 1991 Brit Awards. To promote it, the band did hold an in-store autograph signing at Warehouse Entertainment in Los Angeles. The event attracted approximately 20,000 fans and turned into a near riot. Violator was the first Depeche Mode album to enter the top 10 of the Billboard 200, reaching number 7 and staying 74 weeks in the chart. It was certified triple platinum in America. Two more singles from the album, Policy of Truth and World in My Eyes, were hits in the UK, with the former also charting in the US. So I want to know then on this one, what are your overall thoughts on Violator? Because I think this is definitely the one that really blew open the doors, so to speak, for the rest of the world. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I I think it's a very interesting thing that this was the album that that really put them on the map. Because I, I personally don't think it's their best. I don't think it's even for me in their top three. But. I, I, in a lot of ways, I think that this has the most commercial appeal. And I don't mean that to say like, oh, this is where they sold out because they didn't. I, I don't think that they've ever done that. But this was just, I think, the, the most accessible album that they've put out. Um, and also things just really lined up, like the stars really lined up for, for this to be such a, a big hit. These are, it's a band of pretty good looking guys. And this was when MTV was still playing music videos. They had some pretty great music videos. It was pre-grunge, but had a lot of, of elements of where grunge would eventually come from. It had some of their heaviest and least to me least weird sounds like the the beats were more you know as opposed to they were more consistent and so i i just really think that it was just more accessible that's not to say that it's that it's a bad album for me or that i don't or that I think people are wrong for liking it. <laughs> I, I just really think that that it that it's so big because it just happened to come out at a time when um, a lot about music was at a crossroads, and we were coming out of that portion of the '80s that was so fraught with the you know the Cold War and going into the '90s, which had a lot more optimism. But I think a lot of people still wanted to be scared, if that makes sense. Yeah. So this this still had a lot of darkness, but it didn't have, it was a, like comfortable darkness where, you know, um, Black Celebration is just dark. It's mm-hmm. just dark and there's really no let up from it. This has darkness, but it's more tongue in cheek darkness. There was also, oh, I wish I remember where I, I saw it, but something that said that with this album, they were kind of being cheeky because they wanted to put something out that 
was a bit subversive, but also, you know, like, haha, you guys think we're, we're so light because yes. with enjoy the silence, it's so danceable and it feels kind of light in a way, but it's really not personal. Jesus is definitely not, it, you know, <laughs> it just, there's so much in this album that that is that is um that has that 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 uh, element about this kind of music that is like oh scary to the to somebody who's more accustomed to listening to new kids in the block or you know <laughs> tiffany or yeah. whatever but these guys are also taking the stage wearing leather and and makeup and I don't know. I, I just feel like it's a confluence of, of a lot of things. But again, it, it's to me, it's not their biggest artistic success. Yeah. And I think they would agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I like I, it when we when they hypothetically <laughs> agree with me. I, I do. I think they would. I mean, I because because I agree. I think this is their most it's their most commercial success as far as that goes. But it's I mean, it's still Depeche Mode. Like you said, it's not them selling out because, you know, I do keep referring to that interview, but I just loved that interview so much. But like Dave said, even he's like, even Violator was a little odd. So even he realizes that this was the more commercial success story, no more commercially successful, excuse me. So even though I do put this in my top three, I know a lot of Depeche Mode fans don't. And like I said at the beginning, a lot of the reason I didn't like Depeche Mode at first was because of this album, which is why it's so ironic. And I think it's just because every, like I said, everybody was into this. And I'm like, oh gosh, oh whatever, give me some, you know, lesser known. Whereas I didn't really understand the rest of it. <laughs> I was a moody teenager, preteen, <laughs> whatever. It's just laughing so hard because I'm like, were you more into like, um. Yes, because it's like the lesser known byproduct <laughs> of this very like successful band called the Peshmo. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I got into I actually got into New Order New Order first, like around the same time that I got into Depeche Mode, but a little bit before. And to me, New Order is even though they're all kind they're kind it's kind of different, New Order is in the same realm as Depeche Mode a lot more than say like Violent Femmes or other bands I was listening to at the time. But I thought of his new order as a little bit more fringe, even though, I mean, I don't know why I did, because they're all kind of the same. I think it's because I just did not want to be, although the weirdest, like I said, this is like tailor-made for me. If you were to take everything, if you listen to this podcast, I don't think, even if I hadn't told you, I don't see why it would come as a shock to you that I would like this band. It shouldn't because of right. their music, because of what they talk about, because of what they even even because of what they look like i mean if you look at dave and you look at except for his drugged out years i don't mm -hmm. like that look but but when you look at him and his short black hair and he's usually wearing leather and all this stuff and you've got tons of tattoos you're like oh yeah that's totally aaron right there <laughs> 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 and also just the music in general so even though for a long time, I was very much like, no, you cannot like Violator. Violator is the popular one. That's what all the people who don't understand Depeche Mode like. <laughs> I actually really love this album because I think it's one of those that pretty much is perfect from the first chord to the last. And 
I think they kind of, like you were kind of alluding to there, Carla, I think they kind of, in a way, they, they pulled a trick on everybody because everybody thinks they're getting like this really poppy mainstream thing when when you listen to a lot of the lyrics, a lot of the stuff is still dealing a lot with death. It's dealing a lot with severe depression. It's dealing a lot with drug addiction. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there, of course, about sex. A, a majority of these songs on Violator are about sex, too. And power and control and there's always that sense of being the odd people out and not being able to fit into a quote-unquote normal society kind of thing so it's all there but it's wrapped up in this package that people that were consuming people like tiffany and stuff like that ended up consuming this and i don't think a lot of those people though stayed and i don't think a lot of those people listened to the previous work and i don't think a lot of those people then went and listen to songs of faith and devotion, which is a very, very, very dark album. I don't think yes. they went and listened to that and went, oh yeah, I still love this. I Because th- a lot of people do not like that album, but I think a lot of those people are people that, and I could be wrong, that are people that wanted the same thing as Violator and that's not what happened. So even there though- There are people I- who didn't have like um, <laughs> dark childhoods. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There were people who were like well adjusted. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was definitely not one of those. Um <laughs> so, so Carla, I assume that this was easier than to choose your three favorite songs off the album, was it? Was it not? Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay, I mean definitely personal Jesus. That that's I, I just love so much about that song. I, I love the 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 progression in it. I love that so much of the song is sung, sung in a bit of monotone with a bit of um of inflection here and there in in the in the verses. And I mean the lyrics are great too, but I I just musically it's a it's a really well put together interesting song. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it beautiful, but it's definitely interesting and I really like that. Um, and the video is great too. I do always love yes. that video. Enjoy the silence. And it just feels like such a kappa to say enjoy the silence because it's like, oh God, everybody likes enjoy the silence. Like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it, they like it because it's good. What, so sue me for liking things that are good. What are you going to do about it? Like, oh no, I don't like oxygen. <laughs> Go, like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to tell somebody hypothetical who's just in my mind to go choke, but, um, <laughs> And I really also like, I'm t- okay. So I, I'm torn between world in my eyes and policy of truth. So I'm going to say both. I think they're, they're both, they're both really great. And Halo, mm-hmm. I'm going to put Halo above, above both of those two. So JK switching that around. Those others two can be my honorable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I love it because none of mine. We're on the we're on your top three. Whoa! Yes. So you like the other half of them? <laughs> well, no, I I love all of those. So really, the oh, yeah, only, yeah, but I think it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, the only song I will be honest, I'm not a big fan of Blue Dress. I am not a big fan oh, of yeah, that song. Neither. Um, so I will skip it usually when I'm listening <laughs> to the album, even though I think this is one of those that you kind of have to listen to the beginning all the way to the end and not shuffle. But I still. But this will. one is a, it's kind of skippable. Yeah. But my number one is actually a song that is sung by Martin. And it's a song that usually, because of the lyrically how it's set out and 
the power of it would usually be a song that would be sung by David, but that is Sweetest Perfection. I love that song so much. That's like, oh God, I just, that just gets under my skin in a very, 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 very good way. Uh, and I think there's a lot going on with that one that, um, you know, under the surface there. So I, I love that one. Um, and then Waiting for the Night is the song that I cry to. <laughs> That's my crying song. <laughs> That's so sad and pathetic, Aww. but it's true. <laughs> it's that, cry song. okay, I'm, I'm not even mocking you here, but like, do you have a, a cry song list? I do have some songs, yes, that I will be like, this is my song to cry to. A lot of them are Depeche Mode songs. A few I have other songs, but. <laughs> I have a playlist called Destiel, I guess that Aww. has a bunch of songs that make me think that this would be perfect for like a Destiel moment and they're all songs that make me want to cry <laughs> so it's because I'm a very efficient person so it's a double duty playlist Aww. we should we should do an episode about that songs that make you cry <laughs> <laughs> honestly yes I am so down for that Yes, I mean, I've heard from a lot of people that, you know, people want us to do more music episodes, which makes me ever so happy. Oh, my God. Yes. So uh, we'll definitely have to look look into that. But Waiting for the Night is it's like. It's one of those like you're you're just really feeling alone and I just can play that. And um, I don't know, somehow it makes me feel less alone. That's the thing about their music is they make me feel less alone. So, you know, I, I feel like. I have like I have them in there my room with me kind of thing um or in my car or something and waiting for the night what's interesting about waiting for the night just like with sweetest perfection waiting for the night would usually be a song that would probably be sung by Martin but it's sung by Dave so it's like this weird switcheroo they did there on this album um and then the last one is clean and the reason I love clean is clean is like this Oh, that's the way I like that kind of sound. Because clean it's, makes you feel dirty. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> but it's like just, yes, the, I mean, just the cleanest I've been, but it feels really dirty. <laughs> that's what I love about it. It's I like, this, oh, God, a lot of their songs make me feel that way. Just wait until <laughs> I mention some of the ones in, the, in our next segment. <laughs> I was going to ask Carla and I didn't do it, obviously. I was going to ask her if she could guess what some of my favorite songs were going to be based on my personality and who I am, but I didn't do that. So maybe I will do that in this last segment to see if she can. Oh guess God. It. Oh my She's God. Like, don't, don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I'm like pulling up a playlist now. Like, Oh my God. Scrolling through I shouldn't everything. have done that to you. So I'll, I'll give you time to think about it because you do have some time. So <laughs> I love, I love that you're like, I shouldn't have done that to you. I'm still going to make you do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we are going to move on to their later career so basically 93 and to today and also there is sprinkled throughout um some solo stuff martin has done solo stuff dave has done solo stuff and still does go listen to uh dave gone's version of smile and thank me later that's all I will say. Oh, <laughs> it's on his imposter album and it's, oh my gosh, it's the most beautiful version I have ever heard of that song, period. It's amazing. I've listened to it an obscene number of times. But their discography during this time, of course, started with songs of faith and devotion. And then in 95, as we said, Alan Wilder left the band 
And then they released Ultra in 1997. So that was the first album they released without Wilder having anything to do with it. Then in 2001, Exciter. Then Playing the Angel, 2005. And then um, Sounds of the Universe, 2009. Delta Machine. And then Spirit in 2017. They have a new album coming out. And I didn't write the name down. And it even seemed like Dave Gond couldn't remember oh, the name of it. Too, so. it's, yeah, it's Memento Mori. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm like, I know it was. You're welcome. Because they you know are touring this it. year. You, yeah. you know, because it, it's a, the name of the next Files episode. Oh, it is? Yes. Oh, oh, interesting. I used to be able to tell you like exactly what season and, epi- and episode number, who wrote it, who directed it. But oh, wow. now that I'm I'm ancient, like. All of that vital information has just seeped out of my brain. <laughs> I, I won a, a next files trivia contest at a, at a convention once. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Maybe we'll, we still haven't covered X files on the show and I do not understand why we have it. It's the weirdest thing. It was on the schedule the first year and I took it yeah. out for some reason and, and then... it never came back. I know, just like year. something that Mulder and Scully would investigate so weird i do not know why that hasn't been on there it's it's not because i don't want it to be on there it just has it the aliens grab that out of your your um your episode list and never brought it back (laughs) it's been abducted anyway sorry no it's fine i could just do Uh, that forever (laughs) you know and and on songs of faith and devotion i'll just quickly say you know of course there was like some gospel vocals as well in some of these songs so again they were taking some risks, making some changes, but also during this time is a very, 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 very dark time for the band. And Dave, of course, almost died. Uh, um, very close. He's really a miracle. He's alive, to be honest. Um, yeah. Like he said, I don't know which interview it was, but he said he had someone come up to him and said, "You're you're a cat. You're like a cat, and you're running out of your lives." And, you know, he tried to, this is where that trigger warning for all that stuff comes in. He was a heroin user. He um, was living in L.A., which I think is really what kind of started his downward spiral, to be honest, is moving out there. And he started using an American accent and he was really into the grunge scene. And um, he was basically always had money coming in and kept using it and spending it and, you know, on, on drugs. And um, he did um, attempt suicide. And there is, he on his solo, um, his first solo album, there is a song um, called Dirty Sticky Floors. And that is all that he wrote. And it's all about that. So if you want to know what his personal journey was, you can go listen, listen to, to that. Um, but I want to know overall your thoughts on this time period for Depeche Mode, like present day, basically, and nineties. <laughs> we, we sound like an oldie station. Like, I know <laughs> the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's a random thing radio station playing the best hits only of Depeche Mode from the eighties, nineties, and today. <laughs> well, okay. So my thought on this period, like I said, they are a band in constant evolution. So I, for me, that's part of why they don't have a particularly sucky period of of music. There are people who who say that oh they haven't put out anything in a, uh, anything good in a decade. I disagree. I think that with music musicians in general, 
people really want them to stay in their lane and never change. It's like, always give me just this sound. And I think that, you know, as a huge Bon Jovi fan, but like earlier Bon Jovi, that's part of where they lost me is that they, their evolution kind of stopped. And now all of their music sounds the same, even though the lyrics are very similar to each other. And the, the albums just feel kind of redundant at this point. And that doesn't really happen with Depeche Mode. They, their lyrics are frequently dark, but they are dark in interesting ways. They, uh, so much about the human experience can be dark and it can be, um, traumatic and, and difficult to, to cope with. And I think that music is one of the best ways to cope with anything, really joy, sadness, sorrow, celebration. Music is there for you. Uh, to get you through it, to elevate you, to calm you down. Music is, is um, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the best medicines for any ailment. I'm not a doctor, so, you know, like, don't stop taking <laughs> medication just because I said the medicine is great. Um, I'm saying that it's medicinal, but it is not actually. So, you know, don't go to the FDA and be like, oh, Carla said. But that's why I think that their work even through now is is still really solid and still really great but certainly it's it's changed so you don't have these young kids who are just kind of playing around and banging pots and pans they uh they know what they're doing now they have a very strong grasp on what they like to do what how they like to to sound how they like to sing i would liken it to being with someone from the time that you're a teenager and you're getting older together and you're exploring each other's bodies and then in the beginning it's very experimental and it's very you're finding what your lover likes and what uh, turns them on what turns you on and throughout this relationship you don't get bored because you're constantly discovering each other, but you do become more comfortable with both your prowess and with their bodies. So when you get to an older age, it's still as exciting, but it's exciting in a different way because you're discovering different things about each other. And I, I think that's part of the enduring appeal of the Peshmo for me, because it is having grown old <laughs> with somebody who seems to still get you and still finds ways to surprise you and and still makes you feel just makes you feel but also makes you feel loved and makes you feel safe i think that that's the, the biggest thing it's not a safety based in repetition it's a safety in in knowing that they because they have such integrity that they won't let you down because they care about what they're doing too they're not just doing it for the sake of getting more money. They're doing it because they still have, they still get joy out of it. So I think that the only album where I'm like a little bit kind of meh on it is Spirit. And that's because, because it is, the, a lot of it was born out of a reaction mm -hmm. to, to outside stimulus. It, it's like, it wasn't just you and the band and their relationship anymore 
it was somebody else who made your you know your your partner upset and they're kind of kind of working that, that aggression out on on you and it it feels kind of icky for that reason there are a couple of, of good songs in it but it just doesn't feel like you're like it's just part of your relationship it feels like like this is when you went to to um to couples therapy i was just and you were say like that. <laughs> <laughs> you were like um my partner's boss is being kind of mean to them and so they're coming home and being like a total jerk and it's like oh no i'm not okay whatever but you, you get what mm. i'm saying so like that's the only the only one where it feels a little bit weird but it's still them i i'm very curious to see what memento mori will will bring what it'll sound like especially because you know with with the so ugh, i i can still barely even i know the, the passing of of fletch and it's the first album where they i mean it, it's gonna be without him because they had just started like writing the songs and whatever when he passed away so and you know we, we joke that he's he's the he's like the accountant looking guy and who knows what he actually did but you can't be in a band with somebody for what like 40 years mm-hmm. or however many years I, I can't do that don't ask me and not have participated and not brought something to the table even if that was just like a critical ear and um Dave said in, in an interview that Fletch was kind of like the grumpy old man being like, I don't like this. Yeah. But that has value too, you know, because even if you kind of like disregard it, it's still something that may shape how you approach something. So it'll be interesting to see. But like you were saying that that it's that that era starts in a really dark place in their lives. And I feel like like from there, their music evolves with them in into them being in a better place and being more grounded but it's still very very fun and experimental fun in a dark way (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no i i agree with so much of that and i'm i'm you know i know a lot of people put down this era for depeche mode A, a lot of people do especially after songs of faith and devotion and after alan leaves but I think the first album they do after Alan is, is Ultra, which actually was supposed to be a solo album for Martin. And then it wasn't. And I'm so glad it wasn't because I think I think Ultra is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful album. I love that album. Uh, that album would definitely be in my top five albums of theirs. I really, I love it that much. I think it's, I just, I really do love that album a lot. I, you know, I'm not as much of a fan of some of the work after that, I will say. I do still love it. It just doesn't have the same impact on me. But I still like some of the songs. I do think, like, I think the song Wrong is a really good song. And and I do, you know, and, and with Spirit, what's interesting about that is I do think, you know, we've talked so much about how Depeche Mode is so, like, we're going to be who we are and we don't care what anybody says. I think the reason that album doesn't feel... It's still good, but it doesn't feel as strong as the others is because that's the first time I think they didn't do that. They, it was kind of like they were so worried, even though at the same time they'd be like, you know, saying, well, whatever, they're constant. We're not like that. But I think they also, on one hand, I don't know if it was them feeling that way or if they had people talking to them. 
that they felt like, well, we have to make sure everybody knows for sure that we are not, you know, part of this group that has claimed our music unjustly. And anyone who's been a fan of Depeche Mode, everybody, when that happened on the internet, everybody was like, what the hell? This is, nobody in the in the world would ever think that about this band. You obviously have never listened to them. And so I think, though, there was a part of that, like you said, it was like this big reactive album, and they've never done an album like that before. So I think that's why it felt a little bit different, even though, you know, I will always appreciate that they aren't, like, I think some people too often when something like that happens, they're just like, well, it's better if I just don't say anything when I think you should say something. So I'm glad they said something. And even though I'm not as big a fan of the album, I'm glad they did that. But it doesn't feel as genuine as the rest of their music because it really, it wasn't necessary to do a whole album like that that was so on the nose when everybody really does know. <laughs> I mean, people that really know Depeche Mode know that Depeche Mode is not part of that hate rhetoric at all. And so, you know, so I, I see that totally, but I think, you know, there is so much in, especially in songs of faith and devotion, there is so much pain in those early albums of this period, so much turmoil and so much anguish and, um, regret and fear, I think. And also I think a lot of it is they're getting older and so you see that and they've all gone through a lot of turmoil and i think it will be really interesting because i you know when when fletch died everybody who's fans of depeche mode was like well i guess that's it that's the end of depeche mode and i'm really surprised i have to be honest that they are touring I think they're surprised they're touring and that they can yeah, right? them. I don't think it's something they were expecting to do, but since they were already working on it, I think, you know, I think there's a part of it that, you know, I can't speak for them, but maybe there's a part of it that was like almost like uh, they owed it to Fletch and to what that meant and to the fans in a way too. And also I think no matter how many times, you know, they probably fight a lot like siblings kind of thing because they've been around each other forever. But I think no matter how much that is, I think they still love each other and have this special bond. And I really hope I can see them live again. I'm just like, because they're not, not playing in Colorado yet any dates. And I'm like, oh, please, oh, no. please. Um, because I, I haven't seen them since 2009. And I would just love to see them in concert again because it's something very, very special. So I'm hoping they will. But yeah, I... You know, it's not necessarily my favorite time period for them, but I do think Songs of Faith and Devotion and Ultra are two incredible, amazing albums. And given what was going on during Songs of Faith, that's it's pretty remarkable how amazing that album is. Yeah, right. <laughs> With everything going on. So um, now we've come to the hard part. Is this one as hard as the first one? That's what she said. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> no, it, it really was very hard. I mean, what makes it easier is that I think I'm just more familiar with these songs. So I have some that, that just automatically flow to the top for me um, in my head. But I, I... okay, I'm going to start with. Um, condemnation and one caress from songs of faith and devotion condemnation i it's 
singularly a vocal departure for Dave. It's sung so differently from everything else that he has sung. It has such such a a rasp and a fervor to it, like a, a, a note of desperation that comes through, like like it's it's clawing its way out of his body and out of his soul to um, to be sung out to people. Like it needs to come out, but it has to fight its way out. And it, you know, again, considering how much of their their music and their lyrics have that feeling but this song really stands out for the way that he sings it because you don't really see that particular performance with any other song that that he sings mm-hmm. and oh, the first time that i heard it i was like is this is this do we have the, the this is the pesh mode <laughs> i mean obviously it is because it's not like he's he suddenly starts singing in a falsetto or something but it it just it just has such a different feel to it. His voice does. Um, one chorus I think is just one of the. <laughs> there's so much tied up in that song, and and the, there's so much that can be read into it, whether it's um, drugs or addiction or you know suicide or just so many things that that it can be about. And I was watching um, a reaction video on YouTube about some you know somebody who. It's the first time that he was listening to these songs, and he said, it, "This sounds like um, like he's going to be turned into a vampire." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? You're not wrong. That's true. It yes. kind of does, but it, it's that that same darkness. You know, we had talked um, when when we were um, when we did the Sex and the Vampire episode. We should you should go listen to it if you haven't listened to it already. It's a fantastic episode, and I'm on it. Um, <laughs> it." it that that darkness, that sexiness, that that vampires have, that that allure, that way that they reel you in, and it kind of leads to your to your downfall in a way. Considering everything that the band was going through, and particularly Dave, um, it, it really it makes sense why it's so dark and why th- those lyrics are what they are. Um, it, it's just a fantastic song, and wrong. I mean, this song, okay, like, I just want to, you know, it, it just makes me feel like I'm driving and it's raining and I'm in a music video. And then, you know, like, I start crying and then I stop the car in the middle of the, of the highway and I get out and I'm singing at the top of my lungs and I'm like <laughs> soaked. And it's like, you know, everything I do is wrong and I make the wrong choices, but it's also because I'm broken on the inside. And so like, everything is wrong. Everything is wrong, wrong, wrong. And you know, like, <laughs> um, but it's dark and there are like construction lights that are like my spotlights as I'm walking forward and I don't get hit because it's okay. Cause it's, it's a music video set. It's not real life. So I'm going to be okay. Everybody don't worry about me getting run over, even though I'm on a, on a freeway in the middle of a rain and nobody yeah. can see me. But so yeah, the song it's an admission, you know, it's an admission of having made mistakes in life. But where I get stuck is the second verse where there's a question of not just choice or circumstance, but of being broken, being wrong from the inside. Like if I weren't broken, would I have made better choices? Would I have hung out with the right people? Would I have put myself in the right place at the right time? Again, you know, their songs are so layered. There's so much you can read into almost any of their songs. But at the same time, 
what I appreciate about the songwriting, and this goes back through Alan and Martin, is that it's it's all poetic, but it's very accessible. It's not the kind of it's not like Tori Amos where it, it can be really confusing, and you have to like work really hard to figure out what the hell is going on in the song. And I don't mean that as a diss to Tori Amos. It's just that I don't happen to yeah. have the kind of head that can figure that stuff out. So that's I, I think that's probably another reason why I love Depeche Mode so much. It's because it is poetry, but poetry that I can decipher. You know, <laughs> um, it, it's it's something that that I can get. And even though I do get it, I can go back to and listen to it 50 more times and get more out of it and just keep digging up interesting things in it. Uh, I'm going to throw in my honorable mention of The Sun and the Moon and the Stars, which Martin sings. And I I just think it's like, I I love his voice in this one um, more than any other song that he that he sings that um, that that's my favorite use of, of his voice. And um, another one is um, Barrel of a Gun from Ultra. There, there's so many great songs in Ultra, but I really love Barrel of a Gun, which is an, another one that has a lot of, of it's very loaded with um, David's struggles. Yeah. Ah, well, you, you, you mentioned one of mine that almost made the top three, but I moved it to honorable mentions, which Whoa. Would easily go back to top three in about another day or so, you know, another hour. <laughs> Depending um, on the mood. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I didn't, I was going to ask Carla. So name at least one song you think is definitely on my top three. Oh my God. I was hoping you'd <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot, but but now that, that you said that, like I know I can't be wrong, because like that that was one that I was like, oh maybe it's that one, and so it, it also can't be what's it called. <laughs> I'm so putting you on the spot. Here. <laughs> I just I I don't know that I that I, oh, I was gonna say or maybe one correct, but that also that's an that's my honorable mention that's the one that almost made my top three so i could almost okay so see i was kind of close heaven nope well frick aaron (laughs) (laughs) not that i don't like it i just (laughs) well you said you said you said one caress so we can we can count that close enough okay good close enough works for me yes well my favorite definitely uh is home that's my absolute favorite from this period like i don't think anything else would replace it and that one is sung by martin the reason i love that song so much is i think that song the lyrics capture ooh, I, seeing this song performed live too is makes me cry i think it captures this sort of very personal intimate moment with martin and um writing songs and music and what music has done for him and i think it also i think there might even be some stuff in there about about dave and their relationship and i think also it's about his relationship with fans as well because if you just look at like you know all the lyrics which i can't read all of them because we'll get sued but just like the main like you know and i thank you for bringing me here you know, for, for showing me home, for singing these tears and that for singing these tears is like, you know, and, and basically, you know, saying not because I don't want to get us in trouble, but 
not to quote it completely, but saying, you know, I finally feel like I belong and like I'm home. And that to me is just, oh my gosh, that to me sums up. And I don't even know if Martin realized that when he was writing this song, but that sums up what Depeche Mode means to me and what their music means to me. I was like, I'm doing so good. I'm not, but my eyes are going up with tears talking about that. But that really is what that means to why their music is so important. Because like the song says, you know, here, you know, it's a song from the loneliest stage. Like I'm on the wrong side of town. I don't fit in. And you've made me feel like I fit in and like I'm okay. And you sung my tears. You sung, uh, you know, these words that are my heart that no one else sung before. And I think, you know, a big part of it is I think his relationship with Dave, that's always what I took from it. I don't know this for a fact, but that's what I took from it. And also his relationship, like I said, with the fans and his own relationship with himself. And so I just, that will always be number one during this time. It's one of my absolute all-time favorites of them, period, because it's has so much meaning to it, I think. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful song. And it's one of the more, it's one of the lighter, not darker, heavier songs in a lot of respects. And I think that's true of a lot of the songs on Ultra, honestly. I think there's a lot of hope in that album. Um, and then from Songs of Faith uh, is In Your Room, that song. Oh, holy moly, that song. Oh, gosh, that song. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's all you can safely say with us getting rated NC-17. Yes, that song <laughs> is holy crap. That song is just, oh, that just, oh my God, that song does things to me that I cannot describe <laughs> <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> not on this one anyway. Not on this one. Maybe if you're doing like, you know, an OnlyFans podcast. <laughs> I was going to say Pornhub podcast. That Pornhub podcast. On our Pornhub version of this, <laughs> I can describe in great detail what that one and one of my honorable mentions does to me. Um, <laughs> and then my third one is Higher Love. I just, I just really, mm -hmm. it was the one today that I picked. It would have been One Caress, but I kind of switched it out. But I do love One Caress. Um, <laughs> that's in my honorable mentions. Uh, also, in my honorable mentions is The Bottom Line. I really like that one a lot. That's another Martin one. Um, the Love Thieves. I really like that one. And the other song that does a lot of things to me, especially the crawl on the floor for you, drop my crutches and crawl on the floor for you, is Rush. I just, oh my gosh, the way he sings that line, drop my crutches and crawl on the floor for you. I'm like, I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the time and place and I will do that. <laughs> this is why I'm shocked. That oh god, what is it? Master and Master and Servant. And Servant wasn't um anywhere in your top anything. It's too obvious, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> I read something that that actually like and I was trying to find the actual interview, but supposedly uh Martin said that song is actually about a serial killer. And when I read that, I'm like, okay, now I cannot like this song for <laughs> Well, that's a twist that I did not see coming. I know. I'm like, what? Really? But that could be wrong. I saw that in a comment section on a YouTube video. So take that with, 
with a big grain of salt and I could not no, I'm going to pretend anywhere. it didn't happen. I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. So if you want to tell me that that is true, don't tell me that that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I had wrong on my honorable mentions. And, um, and then I also had walking in my shoes. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Well, I know Carla hasn't actually seen them live live. She's just seen videos of them live. Yeah. So, I mean, you can say something if you want to, if you want to add anything about the video. I'm just going to say that it looks like a good time. <laughs> <laughs> looks like fun. I'd love to see... Dave um, gyrating on stage in person. And he gyrates a lot on stage. Yes, he does. <laughs> God bless him. God bless Basically. us for being able to see videos of it. Yes, and those TikToks, which I'm still trying. <laughs> if you can figure out how to make a TikTok my lock screen on my phone, somebody please tell me. Because <laughs> there's one I want to make my lock screen. So you can just tell me. <laughs> I'm sure some enterprising person out there knows exactly how to do just that. Yes, so please slide into my DMs. And I don't mean Depeche Mode. <laughs> anyway, um, so I've seen them four times. I say four, which people will probably yell at me for saying four because in actuality it's three. But I count the time I saw Dave on his solo tour as a fourth. And let me tell you, Dave Gone is just incredible on stage and seeing him on a solo tour where he was in a tiny venue, not a huge stadium, and I was about three rows back from that stage. Oh my God. Is a whole other level of sex. <laughs> I am so jealous. Oh my God. Oh that was amazing. <laughs> so, yes, I, I count when I went to the Paper Monster store that I count that. I know a lot of people will argue with me. I don't care. I count it. He sung Depeche Mode songs. He sung Depeche Mode songs. So it counts. And holy crap, seeing that man that close, up close, he's just, uh, so anyway. Is this a hot flash or is this the vapors? <laughs> so the first time I did see them was as Depeche Mode. And that was in like 98 um, for my birthday. And that was during the, the singles tour. And I saw him at, uh, so it's my birthday, so it wasn't an outdoor stadium. It was like Mile High Stadium. I think it was still Mile High Stadium at the time. Or not Mile High Stadium, McNichols, or I don't know what it is now. I think it's Pepsi Center or whatever um, the hell thing <laughs> it's called now. <laughs> but it was a huge, huge, huge stadium. And I don't remember what row I was in, but I know I wasn't right up front. And 
you know, I had no idea what to expect. There were some people that were like, oh, you're going to see Depeche Mode? Oh, gosh. Uh, and I'm what? Like, yes, yes. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I went with my sister. I went with, um, I believe, my friend Joyce, a couple other people. My sister was not a fan of Depeche Mode at this time. She became a fan of Depeche Mode in this concert. She's like, I see why you like them. Because they are incredible. And I really think it's not that the music isn't great and that the that Martin and, well, I didn't see Alan. Unfortunately, I never got to see him in concert. But it's not that, you know, Martin and Fletch weren't great. Fletch back there clapping his hands. It's not like they weren't great. But Dave owns that stage. I mean, owns that stage. He is like out there immediately. And he knows what he's doing. Um, he said in interviews that he has to go back to his hotel room after he's done performing and sit there in like silence and staring at the wall for like two hours after he's done. <laughs> so he said it's it's very hard on him to do this. And I can understand because he puts everything out there. I mean, he's drenched in sweat at the end because he moves nonstop. He's basically having sex with the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way it feels. It feels like he's having sex with you. Honest to God, that's the way it feels. It's like a very, 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 very sexual, beautiful, amazing experience to see them live because of him. I think that's the main reason, which is not to put down the other people because I think everybody in the band is great. I'm not saying that. It's just he has this, he's born to be up there. And I don't know if they would do as many um, tours because Martin is pretty quiet and he's pretty shy. He's a lot shyer. And so I'm not sure if they would do as many, but he's just owns that stage. And he will, you can be sitting like, you know, we were rows and rows behind and you can, you feel like he is literally staring directly at you. I have never seen a musician be able to do that before. It's like, he's up there and he for some reason, somehow, he's like, yes, hi, Aaron, I see you up there. I'm singing directly to you. And I know he's not because I know he can't see me <laughs> way up there, but it feels like it. And that is incredible. And not in this way of like, oh, my gosh, look at all these people. They're probably all such peons. Like you said early on, Carla, it's very much he feels you feel like he's like, isn't this amazing that we're all here in this room together and we're all singing together? And it's incredible that you still love our music. Like probably, you know, at least I get the feeling sometimes with bands, they probably are so sick of singing certain songs. But even though that might've been the case, you never, ever, ever saw that ever once because it was just like watching this person who knows how lucky they are, number one, to be alive. I think that's the other thing. And number two, to be where they are when they started out with nothing, when they started out with like, you know, like he used to steal cars and lots yeah. of stuff. So it wasn't like, you know, this was, this was a person that was told repeatedly by teachers and he talked very graphically about trigger warning for abuse here, but about how, you know, back then corporal punishment was a big thing in the schools. And he was like, Oh yeah, I would get hit till bleeding and, all this stuff. So he came from basically like being talked to like he was dirt. He grew up thinking another man was his father who, and was treated differently. And that wasn't his father and his father, all this stuff. And so here he is commanding this stage of thousands of people 
and you can see how much it's like he's like i am going to take this trip with you and that's why it's so special seeing them in concert if it wasn't for the fact that bruce springsteen is like a spiritual experience this would definitely (laughs) be number yeah this would definitely be number one because it is like having sex (laughs) with this band (laughs) it's amazing and i I don't mean that in like a lewd way it's just really like this very intimate intimate, yeah even though you're in a big i'm talking like i've been never mind (laughs) but it is from what i've seen and then to really enjoy it that's that's why seeing him when he did his solo tour was even more intense because you're in this very intimate set literally intimate setting and there he is like you know four (laughs) rows up there and you're like, he really could actually be staring at me this time. <laughs> I'm sitting here like thinking the cheesiest thing, which is like, reach out and touch Dave. <laughs> you do. Yeah, I was close enough to have done that. So. <laughs> yes. And then the last time I saw them was in 2009 at Red Rocks. So that was amazing. So. Yes, they are incredible, and I'm really hoping I get to see them again. And I just if you get a chance to see them and you are a fan, even if you're not, like I said, my sister was like, wow, that was amazing. So even well, if you are not a fan. That's one thing with with live music and like with listening to music on like my phone or whatever, I'm not a fan of listening to live stuff, but the live experience even if you don't know a band, even if you don't particularly, you know, if you wouldn't go out and buy their albums, it can still be enjoyable. Like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. I went because a friend had an extra ticket. He's like a huge fan. I am a huge tolerator of them. And <laughs> but I went to the concert and it is hands down the best experience yeah. um, of a live musical thingy. You know, because I, I, I was going to call it a, a concert, but I know Danny Castellano would come out and yell at me. And it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a Springsteen show. <laughs> he is. I mean, really, seriously, if you're not even if you're not a fan of Bruce Springsteen, he that man, I don't know how he does it, but he does put on an incredible show. I've seen him twice. And I remember the one of the times. Sorry, this is kind of off topic, but. One of the times there was this little kid that was like about, uh, I think, seven or eight and with with their, their parents and <laughs> that was their first concert. I'm like, oh, my gosh, talk about an experience for your first concert. We were all like because I went I used to go I would go to my mom with my mom every time I saw him because that's how I know Bruce Springsteen. And, um, you know, we're like, wow, what an incredible first concert to, you know, see as a kid. That is a yeah. lucky kid. Anyway. <laughs> I'm also thinking that's a waste. Wait until he's older. <laughs> well, that, that too. Yeah, yeah. He might not, not not appreciate it. And I could be wrong about the age. This was a long time ago. Oh, but- listen, I, 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 it's perfectly wonderful. I'm just thinking as a parent on a, on a strict budget. I'm like, that's a lot of money for oh, kids yeah, to remember too. it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be, yeah, that would yeah, very true, very true. And back, I mean, I don't know how much those. I mean, Bruce Springsteen tickets are ludicrously Incredibly expensive. expensive, and we weren't even in, in like the really good, good, good seats. So, <laughs> anyway, oh back- my god, when I just when I went floor seats right by the stage. Oh my god, by the stage. My wow. friend got acknowledged by Bruce Springsteen, <gasps> and like almost one came, almost like passed out. So almost had a Courtney Cox moment. 
<laughs> almost <laughs> like just about like you know Bruce Springsteen points at him and like and, and my friend just goes like deer in headlights just his, his wow. spirit ascended and I don't think he's ever been the same I think it's just a, a, a zombie of his former self now wow wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay well <laughs> That's amazing. Um, sometime we'll do just an episode about concerts and great concert experiences. Yeah. And then I'll talk some more about Depeche Mode. Uh, <laughs> and then and, and we'll also mix in some bad concerts because let me tell you, UB40 is UB snoring. <laughs> Very good. I like that. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Carla. So I want to talk about their overall impact on music and the in music industry and yourself too. First of all, I think that their impact on me, I mean, they have an undeniable impact on music. There are so many heavy metal artists who have cited them specifically as an influence. There's, you know, like Ronstein and um, I, I can't in my head right now remember all of them. But there are some like heavy hitters out there. And, you know, like I said, I, I think Devotion, not Devotion, geez, um, Violator is their closest thing to where it could branch off into heavy metal. And yeah, like that's what I think um, a lot of these artists really latched on to as, as their influence. But just also in the fact that a band can stay relevant and current through the years, I think is a huge inspiration for artists anywhere. They're, um, the fact that, that they had major changes in their lineup and managed to continue and to thrive is also very inspiring. Not because it's like, okay, great, we can discard somebody who no longer serves us because it's not all, at all the case, but because we can go through a major shift in life and things will be okay, which I think is also by extension something that is very heartening as a person, that something major can change in your life and you can still find support and community and home with the people who who remain and you can start a new community and move forward and still be true to yourself like there's so many things and of course you know dave's um journey through addiction and depression and and suicidal ideation to come out and and you know um first of all still be among us but to be among us as the person that he is now and he's such a humble guy you know for somebody who is a mega star who is so well known and who has just so many accolades he, he just really is a humble guy who gives credit where it is due every single time when he gives interviews he will talk about you know like the, the person who is mixing the the record he talks about um when, for the Hall of Fame induction, he mentioned Alan instead of just being like, oh, we're here on our own. No, he mentioned Alan, who who hadn't been with the band for, what, 20-something what, years by this point? Mm -hmm. But is still very present in the fact that this is why, this he's part of the reason that why they're still around in the first place. So that humility is also 
the humility and the sincerity i think also uh translates into the music because i think he and martin may not be the same kind of person but they must have like a lot spiritually in common to continue working so well together for this long their lyrics are so beautiful and sometimes funny and you know um sometimes frightening but they're always always sincere and they're always from the heart and that's something that i i just that's the music that that i really love music that is a true reflection of somebody and not of what somebody has been commanded to put out by their label or what have you and for for me personally the i think that the biggest thing about the pesh mode is that when, when you were talking about how you know put on, putting on a, a dark song can help you feel better i think that's because we like knowing that we're not the only ones out there feeling this way we like knowing that there's somebody out there who has experienced the same thing and is putting it to beautiful music um sung beautifully and it's like having somebody sitting next to you and telling you not they're not telling you it's gonna be okay they're not telling you you know like just get over it they're telling you i know exactly how you feel and we're gonna sit here and go through it together um it's that that feeling of not going through it alone and knowing that no matter what kind of day you're having who you've made angry or who's made you angry they'll always be there for you because you could just always put them on and listen to them um they can't get mad at you you know they they can't cut you off they're yours forever and that that's um that combination of being able to just sit with your feelings and knowing that there that this band will always be there for you is i think a very comforting thing yes 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 well i think like you know as far as the influence goes even on people like you know johnny cash did a cover of personal jesus um so i think even older musicians they also had an impact on uh but you wouldn't have certain bands like you know you, you wouldn't have nine inch nails without depeche mode you just wouldn't you wouldn't have a lot of that darker heavier stuff without depeche mode and i don't think they get enough credit i think um i don't think people give them enough credit for how hard it is to do what they do and it's very hard it's very hard to continue for decades not just years for decades like and like carla said through changes and still be making new music and challenging yourself and even though everything might not be a success you're still taking those risks and those chances. And that's a lot of hard work. That's a lot of hard work. That is not an easy, easy thing. I think they deserve a lot more credit than they get in, in that, in that respect, because they are damn hardworking musicians. They just are, they're an incredible, incredible band. And, um, I think their impact, you know, the fact that, you know, Carla's son loves their music and that, I mean, it, they are going to last forever. They're going to outlast us. They're one of those bands that, you know, they survived the eighties, you know, a lot of bands from the eighties didn't survive and they did. 
and for a long time past that. So I think they will still continue to be around. It always amazes me when they're releasing a new album, I, I to be honest, because I'm like, any minute now, that's all going to go away because they do solo work. So it's not like they're just Depeche Mode. So I think, you know, their impact will be felt for generations and generations to come. Personally, I've already spoken a lot about that, but personally, this is the music that, you know, gets me through the hardest times and also makes me happy even when I'm not depressed, makes me happier even when I'm not depressed, if that makes sense. And even though a lot of their music is dark, there's something about it that there is some hope in that. And I think what that is kind of speaking to what you were saying, Carla, is knowing that there is someone out there that understands what you're going through, especially if you feel like you don't belong or you don't fit in for whatever reason, having people that you can look at and go, well, these are like successful people that are out there like doing this and they understand in a way that I didn't think anyone understood. And that is so, so incredibly, incredibly special. And the bands that mean the most to me are all like that. Uh, They all have these songs that are really like, the most beautiful poetry put to the most beautiful music sung by the most beautiful voice, you know, and I think Depeche Mode tops that by a lot because of the fact that it's got all of that combined and it doesn't feel um, like, even though they're a big success, they're huge, they're huge stars. It doesn't feel like they are way up here and you're way down there. It feels like they are with you they're going through it with you. They're with you with your pain, through your pain. They're going to be standing there with you and no matter what, and they respect you and there isn't a lot of ego there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there has to be a little bit of ego, but there isn't the ego where it takes over and it gets in the way of the art. And that's pretty remarkable for artists that have been around so long. And the interviews you watch, it's, it's very, very much a humble, humble thing. I mean, um, Dave is definitely the more outspoken one and has done a lot more interviews because I think he's a lot more comfortable with it. Um, but he, you know, he is, he's, it's like listening to him and it's almost like he sounds like, I do not understand why people think I'm so incredibly interesting. I will talk to you for a while, but I don't understand why you even care. <laughs> Yeah, I love incredible. that about him. He seems like, yeah, let, let's hang out and chat. I don't know why, but. Yeah, because one of the podcast episode I listened to when he was on and they were like so excited to have him on before he was even on. And they were like, yeah, I ran into him at this event. And he's like, oh, I listened to your show. I love your show. And he's like, you listen to my show. <laughs> and when they had him on there, he was, they were talking about that. And you could tell he's kind of like, why is this a big deal? Of course, yeah, I listened to <laughs> i'm a person i listen to different things it's kind of like that that feeling but that is such a nice thing and it comes through in the music and it comes through on stage and it makes it easy to be a fan of them you don't feel like any kind of like shame or embarrassment or like there's any reason to not be a fan um and i know there's been turmoil within the band of course they're human beings and so that's going to happen but I think there's still that great love there. And I think, you know, even for 
the band members that are no longer in the band. I think there is still a great love for them. You know, I, I do know in, in another little clip I saw of, of Dave being interviewed and the woman's like, well, now that, um, I couldn't believe she even asked this, but I guess they get asked this all the time. Now that Fletch is, isn't, is, has sadly passed away. Have you thought about asking Vince Clark or Alan Wilder to come back to the band? And he's like, don't ask this question anymore. He basically said that he's like, it's been over 20 years. You know, it's been over, you know, over 20 for Vince. It's been, you know, and then it's been a long time, you know, for, for Alan. And he's like, and don't you think even Alan gets sick of this question? And she immediately was like, well, someone else wanted me to ask you that. But oh my God. <laughs> but it's time I've so seen him be like, what the hell? Exactly. I'm like, so somebody dies and immediately they're like, and cause he was also like, you can't really replace that so it's kind of like right well to me it's like i'm sorry that your spouse just died have yeah. you ever thought of going back to your to your first wife like <laughs> um no we split up for a reason and also they have other things what the hell is wrong with people yeah interviewers was... do better yeah it was the first time by I've the ever... way dave if you listen to this, Erin is a fantastic interviewer and would never ask you something like that ever. It wouldn't even cross her mind. No. <laughs> yes, I would love to have you on here. I'm I'm gonna try and make that happen because that would be, oh my gosh. Whew. Yes. That would be that would be incredible. I would just love to talk to you. Just I would just let you talk because you because you're really good at that. You just start telling stories. And I, mean, I love that. Staying on that one. And he's like, just stop me anytime if I need to stop talking. Because I'm just going to, you know, and they're just like, yeah, we're really going to stop you from talking. Right. He's such an interesting dude. Like, just, you know, come on and chat with Aaron. It's fine. Yes. You'll have such a great love, time. Yes. I would love to talk to you, Dave. So let's let's make that happen. Come on. There. We can talk to you about your your before you go on tour or if you come to denver i can interview you in person and oh, oh my god <laughs> okay no i i don't think that would work erin i'm just sitting here thinking of, of all of the puddles and i don't think that's something that you want him to witness <laughs> no i would be good <laughs> <laughs> i don't think your body could handle it the spirit is willing willing but the but the flesh is weak just Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, you needed ask. a moment there to like cool down after that thought. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like the afterglow. It's the pillow talk. It'll be the pillow talk. <laughs> pillow talk with Dave gone. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I respect you. You've been very happily married for a very long time. I understand. <laughs> Yeah, I also saw him in an interview. I loved this. And it's like, and they, and the question, this was so stupid. They're like, so who's, who's, like, someone was asking him, like, who's your sex idol? Who's your idol, your sex idol kind of thing? And he's like, my, my, what? My what? My sex idol? He's like, I don't, my wife? <laughs> like, seriously, where do people get the, the idea that they can ask these questions with a straight face like what is wrong with you people they don't know boundaries that's why i, I so many interviews drive me nuts because i'm like i don't care about this stuff i want to hear about their craft and their process and that stuff is interesting to me i don't so come on my show dave it'll be very interesting and deep talk it'll be very professional it will it will be professional unless we're face to face no it will be professional oh my God. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, but uh, so really quickly before we close, because I do have a Six Trees of Finn, and it's really funny the way you you were talking about one of the the song I'm connecting him to because you'll find out. But first, <laughs> I want to know though, Carla, if you had to pick one one album, you could only listen to one Depeche Mode album for the rest of your life. It's gonna be Songs of Faith and Devotion. Oh, I 100%. like that choice. Zero hesitation. Wow, I really like that choice. Is That's... it also your choice? No, but I like okay. that choice. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because I, you know, I there isn't even a close second. Like the closest second, I think, would be um, Sounds of the Universe, which I know is like, why would you pick that one? I just think that it has like, a lot of great songs, but th- there's just no nothing for me that even comes close to it i love that you selected that album though because i don't think their work after violator gets an, as much credit as it deserves so yeah. thank you yes yes um no i i would i would choose music for the masses yes it's older but i still just i think it's a perfect album but i think a lot of these are so it's hard to choose but i do love that you said that carla because my choice would change any day so no and listen i have a huge amount of respect for all of the different eras but there's just something about this that speaks to me personally and i think that that's what it really comes down to is that they have something for everybody if you have a soul they have something for you (laughs) that should be the tagline for the episode (laughs) (laughs) that should be the tagline for my show (laughs) Yeah, but then you know what? It's like all of the the, the zombie lobby is going to be like, what about us? You know, have to be like, uh Zombie lobby. I'm sure they have something for, you know, spirit could be for, for the ones that don't have a soul. There oh, you go. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it's called spirit. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, the six degrees of Finn, it has to do with vampires, too. That's why this is so funny. Oh. So... In a scene that I have watched a reasonable number of times in my life. Um, And usually, you know, I've been trying to stay away from American Horror Story connections for this game, but I like it for this. So in AHS Hotel, my favorite couple, Tristan and Liz, when they are making love, they are making love to the song One Caress. And Tristan is a vampire. So, you know, I mean, Tristan isn't turning Liz or anything, but, uh, but yeah, so I was That's happy to use fascinating. that. Fascinating. Because of the thing that I said about the person exactly. who was like, oh, it sounds like, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I had to bite my tongue to not actually give it away right then. <laughs> <laughs> As if I would have guessed anything surrounding it. <laughs> I would yeah. never have, like, dawned on me, but that is so cool. And it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. And I have watched it a very, very, very healthy number of times. And I remember the first time going, oh, my gosh, it's Depeche Mode. <laughs> and it's oh. not a song from Violator. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> or Just Can't Get Enough. <laughs> or People Are People. So I was, I was very, very, very happy. And it fits perfectly with the show and that, you know, that scene. So there is my, my Six Degrees of Finn which you can play the audience version by going over to our website. It's a phantomthingpod.com and clicking the six degrees of Finn page. I put on there, it's still horror because I put them up there late. So there's going to be there till the end of November. 
Uh, so submit your findings for a chance to win some merch. And while you're there, Dave gone, click on the contact us button and that will shoot me an email because I would love to start scheduling interviews for next year. We are going to have a change in the podcast next year that will hopefully facilitate more interviews. I miss doing interviews, so I haven't had the time to do interviews lately, but I'm hoping I will soon. And um, we will be doing an interview soon with Tanya, though, frequent panelist Tanya. So that will be coming up towards the end of this month. We haven't scheduled it yet, so I'm not sure. It'll probably be out in December, but we'll be that'll be coming soon. So... Thank you so much, Carla. I forgot to say in the beginning, this is part of my birthday month celebration, but you know, hey, I think you already knew that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I certainly knew that, but hey, (laughs) listeners, fandom thingers, this is Aaron's birth month. So you should like listen to all of the episodes a thousand times and go to Redbubble and buy It's a Fandom Thing merch. She has merch for every kind of like, if you like snails, there's stuff about, you know, it's a snail True. thing. If you like Christian Niffing Bale, there's, it's a Christian Niffing Bale merch. <laughs> if you like the classic, it's a fandom thing. There's also merch for that. Yep. And, you know, there's, there's tons of, there's everything, well, not everything, because we don't have any Depeche Mode merch up there. We do. Hey, there's a Dusty L merch. Yes. So, like, yes. yeah. Yeah. For Queer as Folk fans, there's uh, Brian Sex on Legs Kinney merch. Because I finally put that See? up there after people saying, after I would get so many <laughs> listeners saying, you really need to trademark that. I love, I love that that became a thing. It became, I love it. I love it. So now everybody refers to him the right way. So yes. <laughs> so maybe we will have some Depeche Mode stuff there, especially after Dave comes on the show. Things out there. This is now my- Five months later when Aaron recovers though. <laughs> <laughs> Once he regained consciousness and, and been rehydrated. <laughs> rehydrated <laughs> after you just sploosh everywhere it's you know then then that merch can come out yes i do have to say <laughs> i do i do like the gray i think the gray is very very becoming on you mr gone <laughs> it is though it really is yes so um, i was like i'm not wearing gray <laughs> i was so confused for a second <laughs> My brain temporarily shut off. And it was like, the gray, like, do I have this in black and white? And I don't know. How do I even do that? <laughs> Carl's like, you had to be talking about me, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, my brain shut off for a microsecond. And suddenly it's like, why am I still awake? <laughs> I know it's late for Carla. So we're going to close out so Carla can get some sleep. So, Carla, where can they find you? And most importantly, where can they find your amazing podcast, Bed, Wet, or Behead? Thank you, Erin. I am happy to tell people people where they can find me and my podcast. You can find the podcast, Bed, Wet, or Behead, anywhere that you get podcasts. Like, just anywhere. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at Bed, Wet, Behead Pod. Instagram is at bed.wet.behead.pod um you can also find us on blue social media um like neta facebook whatever the hell it's called today you know um just look for bed wet or behead, behead podcast our website is bedwet or behead.com and you can find me and my art and my musings um i have deleted my twitter profile but i have my instagram 
was going to say Instacart, but that's a whole separate thing. <laughs> if you, you want to shop groceries. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you do want to buy me groceries, I'm down. Um, <laughs> me too. But if you, if you just want to look at my pictures, then I guess you could do that too at Carla Temis and look for my website, carlatemis.com. That's C A R L A T E M I S.com. I always mouth that. <laughs> Um, and this is Erin. For now, you can find me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Not sure how long I will be on there. Um, I'm hoping to move over to the other thing that's coming. Hopefully, the blue social, if that ends up being an okay thing. I, I will let you know we are going to have a Discord server that I'm working on trying to figure out how to do it where we can have like listeners like a place for listeners to have their own community and talk and give us feedback. So I, I really knew to discord. So I'm trying to figure out discord before I actually create this. Cause I don't want to create some weird <laughs> thing. I don't know. So I will have news about that soon. So yeah. Um, but you can follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on instagram at it's a fandom thing pod on tiktok we will do some tiktok videos soon i promise at it's a fandom thing pod our website is it's a fandom thing pod.com so if you have any feedback show notes if you'd like to be a potential interview guest once again dave gone please go over there and hit the contact us button that'll shoot us an email and we will reach out to you to schedule an interview and next week we are turning our attention to actors and we are going to be talking about my longest celebrity crush my longest running celebrity crush that is mr george clooney we're going to be talking about him and once again i've been rewatching er and that was a really damn good show uh some of the stuff i watch now i'm like eek, eek, eek. but for the most part it's so good uh and i've been having a ton of fun watching george as i always do and then we are also, Paula's going to be joining me. And that's going to be, the, the uh, sorry, the sexy ladies are going to be on the George Clooney episode. So that is Carla, Meg, and Tiffany. So hopefully I won't be regretting this when I go to edit it. But it'll be fun. <laughs> I feel like your face says that you're already regretting it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, that's my laid back week when I'm editing it. And then we're going to be talking about the man that was my first favorite, favorite actor, and that's Val Kilmer. And I just think he's a very interesting actor to study and examine. So, yeah. So go watch the uh, documentary on Amazon called Val. Absolutely amazing documentary. And the most beautiful thing in that documentary is his relationship with his kids. Oh, it makes me cry. So, yes, so look for that. That'll be me and Paula for that one. And then a reminder that for the week of the 14th, we will not have any new episodes because I'm actually taking time off. Oh, it's amazing. So uh, we won't have any new episodes then. And then we're going to round out things I'm into with a look at Silver Linings Playbook. Once again, as I've said a few times, I will be heavily, heavily, heavily critiquing the writer and director of that movie, David O. Russell, because he is a scumbag. And I will acknowledge that. I just want to talk about the movie because, oh, despite that, that movie is very important to me. Um, 
have very complicated feelings about that right now, but, but it is still important to me because of, of the subject matter and how it's handled. So we will be talking about it. But um, I do want to note that we will probably that will probably be the last time we talk about a David O. Russell film on this podcast, which means we are not going to talk about American Hustle anymore. Um, so just a heads up there. <laughs> I've decided I don't think we're going to talk about American Hustle. So because we'd have to talk about that. And, and there's also Jeremy Renner in that one, too. So, you know, hey, <laughs> another reason to not talk about yeah. it. Yeah. We can skip that. Yes. Yes. Uh, but, and then we're going to round it out with just other things I'm into. So I'll just spend the time just talking about Depeche Mode some more. So I hope my panelists are okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's my birthday. I can do whatever the hell I want. We have three hours of unbridled Depeche Mode. Yes. 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 So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. was totally gonna do a little Depeche Mode intro of saying some words to a Depeche Mode song and I totally screwed that up so I might just take that again here <laughs> okay I'm gonna try that again but only I can only do a little bit so we don't get like we're like copyright yeah <laughs> I feel I feel like they would be okay with it <laughs> just call him and be like it's okay mate it's okay mate good eggs <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he would care. I don't think they would care. I think their record label would be like, uh. <laughs> it's okay. We can just call and be like, Dave, listen. So we have a problem here. <laughs> we have a problem here. Can you, can you like, me? yeah, can, can you talk to somebody? He's like, yeah, it's okay. I got it. <laughs> great, great impression there. You'll, you'll have to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just start it. Dang it. I was because I'm gonna just start laughing because I'm just thinking of something else now. Do it anyway. I need to hear it. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna actually this will just be bloopers, so okay. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.